Welcome back to the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and it's Tuesday. So we got some some more stuff coming at you folks today. Uh, if you've been watching the news, uh, particularly in the Metro Detroit area, we have uh, basically kind of been blockaded, uh, for lack of a better, better term, um, by the truckers in in Canada. Um, this Freedom Convoy has basically shut down what is... I mean, in essence, it's the largest border crossing point between the U.S. and Canada um, in the in the continental United States. Uh, so, um, if you if you haven't read up on it, we're gonna we're gonna get in that into that today. We're gonna talk about you know, unfortunately, more of these uh, vaccine mandates, uh, how it pertains to us here as Americans. Also, a little bit of an insight into how things are working over in Canada, um, and then maybe do a little you know, kind of compare contrast on, you know, Hey, this is why certain things happen. And, and this is the way that, 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 uh, things work out, you know, the courses of action that are taken and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at it. I think it's, um, especially pertinent here, obviously in Michigan where we're based, but it, it, again, it is something that affects the country. And when I say the country, I mean, that does definitely pertain to both the United States and to Canada as, Obviously, we're both heavily reliant on manufacturing and shipping and transportation routes like the Ambassador Bridge between Detroit and Windsor, between the U.S. and Canada. So um, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about it and how it's, uh, why it's important and why it's impactful. But before I get into that, got to hit some ads. Got to thank our partners here for supporting the prepared mindset and everything that we do. Uh, first up, slim fit holsters. Guys, if you've been concealed carrying for any length of time, you know that having a quality holster is 110% important to your effort. Head over to slimfitholsters.com, use our code prepared10, save 10% off and get free shipping on a quality holster from the folks over at SlimFit. Whether you carry appendix, whether you carry at the three or four o'clock position in your waistband, maybe you're an outside the waistband kind of guy, just, just can't seem to get comfortable carrying in your pants. They've got it all covered. They're Victorious, they're Guard, they're Gladius, the Guard Ultra. All fantastic models offered through slimfitholsters.com. Again, our code prepared10 is going to knock 10% off whatever you got to pick up for yourself, and it's going to hook you up with free shipping. Head over to the website, let James and his team take care of you with a new holster today. Also, got to say thank you to mymedic.com. Guys, it's the winter. Shit happens in the winter, right? Ice fishing, snowmobiling. In addition to all the other good things that happen uh, the rest of the year, right? Uh, household accidents, car crashes, whatever, you know, fill in the blank. Make sure you're prepared when tragedy strikes. You can head to MyMedic.com and pick up your own personal uh, first aid kit, whether it's their MyFAC, which actually isn't just a one-person kit, but two, three, potentially even a four-person kit. You can pick up a range medic. Maybe you're in one of those awesome warm-weather states where you don't got to deal with this shitty snow like we do up here in the Midwest and the sub 20 degree weather like we do in the Midwest. Make sure you guys got whatever you need. Maybe you need a, a medic kit for your boat, right? We're big boaters up here in Michigan. The upcoming, uh, you know, thaw and, uh, and boating season of the summer, make sure you have a medic kit with you. My medic has, has solutions for that specifically designed kits that will float in the water rather than sink and ruin all of your, your first aid supplies. If you've grown up around the water, you know why it's so important to have floaties on anything and everything important and to waterproof the things that you don't want water getting into. 
You can also head over to our Facebook page, head on into our offers section and use our affiliate link. When you order through MyMedic through our affiliate link, you can still use our discount code mindset20 to save 20% off. But if you use our link, a little piece of that comes back to support our efforts here at The Prepared Mindset. That's mymedic.com for all of your first aid needs. And lastly, got to say thank you to the folks over at Dry Fire Mag. They're our newest partner here at The Prepared Mindset. They are an affiliate partner with us. We don't have a discount code, but we still want to promote them. Why? Because we believe in their product and that it's going to make you a better shooter. And dry practice is absolutely essential if you want to become a better shooter. Unless you're one of these folks out here that's gifted with millions and millions of dollars and millions of rounds of ammunition, you can benefit from dry practice. Pick up a dry fire mag today to use with your Glock, your Smith & Wesson, your SIG, your Springfield pistol. Start getting your reps in now. Guys, I picked one up for myself right after lockdown set in and it was the best hundred bucks I've ever spent. I uh, got, got to tweak it and set it up with the spring kit that they offer. So it matches my, my, uh, ghost trigger kit that I have in my Glock 19. And I've gotten a ton of practice in with that thing. Absolutely outstanding practice tool. Head over to our offer section through Facebook and just like my medic, they're an affiliate partner. So anything that you spend at dryfiremag.com through our affiliate link, they send a little piece of that back to support us here at The Prepared Mindset. Go check it out. Getting into it. the It's not really a blockade, I guess. That's probably a bit of a drama, dramatization. Yeah, a little, a little bit melodramatic, we'll say that. Um, but so if you haven't been following the news, and I know a lot of us haven't, right? It's, it's actually kind of depressing to watch and, and listen to the news these days because everything is so political and everything is so fucking depressing all the time. <clears throat> so... There is a, a convoy of truckers that have been making their way across Canada, and this is in protest of the COVID-19 uh, vaccine uh, mandates and, and vaccine rules being put in place by the Canadian government. Now, we talked just recently in our last SITREP episode uh, here in, in the continental, well, in the U.S. in general, in the United States, right, neighbor to Canada, our Supreme Court system actually knocked down the vaccine mandate for businesses. The only, they upheld it for healthcare workers, which is kind of an offshoot conversation. But um, for the most part, the whole mandate thing has been knocked down at the federal level. And now, um, from the best of my understanding, our local and state leaders are now looking for guidance from the federal government so that they can enact their own laws, rules, mandates uh, around the COVID situation. Uh, personally, I think, you know, what's the fucking point? The only masks that have come out to actually, to actually be proven effective against it, COVID are the, the M95s. And, you know, they got to be fit to your face a certain way. You can't have facial hair. They don't, these masks everybody's out wearing, they don't fucking work. The surgical masks, those aren't N95s. Okay, so at this point, like, what what the fuck's the difference? What are we doing here, right? So just let it go and let this thing play its play its course. Uh, that that's kind of how I think most of the the world feels at this point is. Let's just get through it. If you haven't had it, you will. Um, if you've had it, you'll probably get it again, whether you're vaccinated or not. So. Um, it's really at this point now where it's being over politicized and people are trying to leverage the mandates and things like that. And, um, you know, if, if you're familiar at all with Canada and their <clears throat> prime minister, Justin Trudeau, um, you know, the liberals love 
Justin Trudeau because he was just he's a young, good looking dude and he's very liberal in a lot of his views. And I remember years ago when he was uh, brought into office, um, I had a friend here who was in law school and she loved Trudeau. She thought that he was uh, he was so great and and rivaled even Obama in his greatness. And uh, and that was the kind of leader that the world that countries the world over need. Well, now we're starting to see that um, that may not be what everybody in Canada believes. I know a lot of people love him there. Um, he also enacted their version of the uh, assault weapons ban, um, which has been met with some scrutiny, some some, criti- some criticism um, by by pro. I, won't, I can't even say pro Second Amendment because it's not. They don't have the Second Amendment in Canada. Uh, but some pro-gun right groups, uh, there's a growing voice in Canada that people want access to their firearms. They don't want to be deemed criminals for having those, but I digress. Um, So Trudeau has been very hesitant to uh, roll back these vaccine mandates, right? And like I said, you know, and everyone's getting sick of it, right? The masks aren't working. Um, The social distancing has mixed results at best. Uh, it doesn't really help that you're starting to see these social elite, right, um, elected officials, uh, musicians, movie stars, affluent affluent folks, you know, not like us normal dirtbags, uh, rich, rich people that live above our, our laws and ways and means and things. Um, they, don't, they don't abide by those laws. And I think that double standard is, is finally starting to come back and bite people in the ass because those were the ones that were, those were the, the individuals that were most vocal, right, during COVID about, oh, you know, to quote Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, fuck your freedoms and, you know, you got to wear a mask and you got to get vaxxed and then you got to get boosted. Um, and it's not really working, at least, excuse me, at least not to the extent I think that a lot of people would like you to believe. So enter the Freedom Convoy. And the Freedom Convoy sounds like something very American. Um, and to that point, it really is. It really sounds like something that we would, we would experience here through the Midwest or the South in the United States um, of truckers that are banding together and protesting these, these you know, uh, I, mean, I can't, again, I can't use the word unconstitutional um, in this context, at least not accurately. Uh, they're protesting these mandates and they have shut down the bridge between Detroit and uh, Windsor, Ontario, Canada, the Ambassador Bridge. So why is this important? Well, the, the whole point of a protest, right, is to bring notice and bring attention to your cause, right? That's why we saw all these marches and, and you know, quote unquote, peaceful protests uh, in the summer of love, right after the COVID lockdowns hit, right, was to bring attention to movements like Black Lives Matter and Equality Matter, things like that, um, defunding the police movement and highlighting why that's so important, which I still don't understand even after all their various protests and, and movements and and, and bullshit, right? But here's the thing. You disrupt the, the transport lines. That's where you hit people the hardest. Why? Because you're hitting them in their wallet. And if you think the government doesn't stand anything to lose from this, you're, you're sorely mistaken. I mean, who do people reach out to when things like this happen? The people that run these super large companies, what are they going to do? They're going to call the government officials. They're going to call the police. You have to remove them. You need to do this. My company is losing all this money. If you don't fix this, we'll move our companies elsewhere. So it's kind of a trickle down, for lack of a better phrase. Um, but it's it's very impactful to the economies and people's 
wallets, you know, affluent people, the large companies, things like that. And it gets a lot of attention. And I mean, I, while I generally think that protesting is annoying, and I guess that's the point, right? Is you want to annoy people, you want to disrupt their daily lives so that they pay more attention to what they want you to pay attention to. Um, you know, Hey, why are you out here doing this uh, for this cause? And then you go, oh, okay, so either you already know what it is and you have your mind made up one way or the other, or you start asking questions, you learn more about the cause, and then you make your mind up one way or the other, right? But it brings more attention to what their effort, you know, what they're, what they're working towards, what their overall goal is. And this is a pretty much a peaceful protest. This is about as effective a protest, I think, as I've ever seen. Um, because it's not just local, it's not just state, it's beyond federal, it's an international impact. This border between the, the U.S. and Canada, specifically here in Detroit, is the most traveled route for commerce between the U.S. and Canada. And that's well documented. I mean, um, I think, you know, the only other ones uh, that I know, of, obviously there's one out in um, like Sarnia and Port Huron here in Michigan where all the traffic's being diverted. And I actually saw somebody uh, sharing on Facebook earlier today the uh, – like not, it's not Google Maps, but like the the traffic mapping where it can show you where your backups and things are out that way um, by the Blue Water Bridge out in Port Huron. And it's at a two and a half plus hour wait to get over the bridge because all of that excess commercial traffic is being routed away from Detroit and now through this other bridge that's not really built to handle this kind of volume of traffic. Um, I believe I read that the tunnel from... Windsor to Detroit is still open. However, the bridge itself and the tunnel is like two lanes. Um, it's actually kind of scary as shit. I, I've gone through there um, twice and I didn't love it either time, <laughs> two or three times maybe. I, I didn't love it either time. Um, and you can't fit super large commercial vehicles down there because it kind of, there's some S curves and things like that. And um, it really doesn't work that way for the extra large uh, semi trucks or extra large flatbed trucks that um, you know you need for commerce and things like that. So this is this has drawn a lot of eyes across the country and across the country of Canada. Um, typically Canada doesn't do this kind of thing, you know. Um, when they enacted their assault weapons ban, there wasn't to speak of uh, you know an ultra large movement across that country opposing that, you know, which there obviously would have been some, you know, huge drastic measures taken here in the U.S. because we hold the Second Amendment so near and dear to what a lot of people consider to be, you know, the, the heart of America and Americana and um, our culture and society as a whole here, you know, the right to bear arms is ingrained in who who we are as a people, right? Not not the case for Canadians. There's, there's jokes about it. There's movies about all that, you know, I mean, John Candy, the film uh, Canadian Bacon, like, you know, it's they're just it's it's a different it's a different kind of culture across the border there, which is ridiculous because it's like an imaginary line on a map and a fence basically. It's all that really separates Canada from the United States in a lot of places. But nevertheless, there's a there's a big cultural divide there. So to see that um, that the I don't want to call it the American way per se, but the the idea of protesting in the name of what you consider to be your God given rights is uh is catching hold right um in other countries that normally haven't really supported this way of doing things um i think that's something important to take notice of because the u.s has been specifically over the last almost two years now right covid lockdowns really started in 
uh, I know here in Michigan, it was like mid-March of 2020. I remember March 13th specifically was the last day I was ever in an office building for my job. Um, but you did you had some lockdowns that, that started out on the West Coast with the cruise ships and stuff. In in the month of February, you know, and at that point, two years ago, everybody kind of just thought, oh, there's no way that'll ever hit us here. We're, we're on the other side of the continent, for God's sake. Um, little did we know, right? Um, so we've been protesting for almost two years now uh, about these lockdowns and the mask mandates and the social distancing. Um, we have a lot of small business owners here that, that, that lost their businesses, because of these mandates and the ridiculous rules that were put in place. Um, and let's be honest, it, it was mostly out of fear. You know, a lot of it was was more fear than science and or fear than fact, you know, if you want to alliterate on it, right? Um, less fact, more fear. And, you know, and, and you had the the mob, right? The, 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 the scared hordes of people that were clamoring for, for even more, right? No, we need to extend lockdown. We need to do more to keep everybody safe. We need to close everything down. I actually had friends that told me they were pissed that we didn't just shut the whole country down for three weeks and have the government pay everyone to sit at home and not do anything. So that this thing, if we would have done that, this whole thing would have burned itself out in three weeks. Um, you know, fuck first responders, right? Fuck the elderly that need that that kind of first responder and medical care attention, which is again hilarious because those are the people that um, are screaming at those that are protesting the mask mandates and things like that and the vaccine mandates. Um, so you don't you know doesn't my you know grandparents' life life matter to you? But you know, a year and a half ago, you were the one saying fuck them all. We should just shut down for three weeks. But I digress. Um, we don't we don't talk of such things because then you might point out to people how they have double standards and how their whole way of being is, uh, in fact, a farce. Um, so we've been protesting this. We've had rallies. Uh, I know here in Michigan, right, we had uh, protests and rallies in the state capitol against our governor, Gretchen Whitmer, and our, our state district attorney, uh, Dana Nessel, and um, over, for for instance, over things like the mandates around uh, nursing homes and how they were funneling sick elderly people <clears throat> into nursing homes here in the state of Michigan, which has resulted in what most are certain as uh, unnecessary deaths um, in the excess of several thousand. You know, um, I, currently I know there is still protesting and efforts going on on a legal side to try and. Um, have a, uh, I don't know if it's a forensic audit, but have an audit of those, those COVID numbers and those COVID totals, um, to really show the impact of that, what, what amounts basically to gross negligence by our leadership through these executive orders, through these unconstitutional mandates, um, a through this fear mongering that was started at the highest levels of government and, you can point the finger at President Trump. A lot of people will. Um, but really, in my mind, a lot of this was exacerbated by uh, the Democratic Party in our in our government here, um, who held the majority um, and, you know, Senate, the House, things like that, um, and Democratic leadership in blue states, right? But anyway, Canada has kind of seen this. <clears throat> I think uh, the large majority of Canadians were kind of on board with it. They, for whatever reason, the country as a whole swings you know, to the liberal side of things. And that's fine. I'm not, I'm not trying to be hypercritical of anybody who's Canadian. I'm just, this is my observation, um, as an American who 
used to be very, very heavily democratic. Um, and as I've kind of grown and matured, to, I, I see things differently through my life experiences. And now I have a very uh, neutral, I want to say neutral um, approach to a lot of things um, or independent uh, mindset about a lot of things with a, a right side lean. But looking at this, it really does seem like the Canadian citizenry have, uh, I think, is that a word? I think that's a word, have had enough. Um, and they're protesting with this convoy. And there's, I mean, I've seen, and I, and I can't confirm that a lot of these numbers that you're hearing thrown around are actually accurate. You know, 50,000 plus vehicles involved at this convoy, whether they've all made it, you know, start to finish. I, I don't think that's necessarily pertinent, but I, you know, 50, you know, tens of thousands of vehicles, um, hundreds of thousands of individual people joining this this movement and this this effort, right? And then the latest statistic, if you can call it that, that I again I heard can't verify. I want to stress that I haven't necessarily verified this, but that the GoFundMe page or the <clears throat> the funds gathering for this this protest and this movement have officially exceeded what Justin Trudeau um, had gathered from a, a dollars and cents perspective had exceeded what Trudeau gathered for his entire last campaign. Which is a lot, you know. I know we 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 funnel a hefty amount of cash here in America <clears throat> towards our politicians and their political campaigns. Um, I can only assume, since Canada does closely resemble how we do so many things here in the U.S., that that's also true. <clears throat> now it may not be to the same degree, right? I'm I'm positive that it's not to the same degree. Um, but it, nevertheless, it, it sends a pretty strong message. If your country is willing to donate more money to kind of oust your political agenda um, than they are to support you being in office to enact it, I, I, I feel like that's kind of one of those writing on the wall type moments where you either need to pivot real fast or you just need to uh, accept that the end is near and... Um, if you still have your job next week, next month, whatever, you won't have your job for long. And that's that's not saying you know anything violent. That's just saying that hey, when your next election is up or whoever they do things in Canada, you know, you're you may have a lot more opposition than you originally anticipated. And I I have to <clears throat> I have to side with the people of Canada on this. Um, small business owners have been hurt the world over by this pandemic. I Guys, I, my, my brothers and I, my family, we grew up in a household where my father worked for a major auto manufacturer and my mother was a partial owner with her brother of a family business, a family restaurant. Um, I know the struggles, both in good times and bad, right, of owning a small business. Not me personally, but I lived through it as a child and I saw, you know, I saw what that did to my family. You know, I saw what that did um, from a stress standpoint to my, my, my mother's health specifically, but my parents' marriage. Um, I saw how that impacted, you know, the stress, um, the unfortunate byproduct of such stress in a lot of cases is that, you know, sometimes you take some stuff out on your kids that you otherwise wouldn't. And I love my mother. I'm not, this isn't anything like that. I'm just saying that it's a lot, you know, um, <clears throat> people put a lot of time and effort and energy and blood and sweat and tears into building their own uh, small businesses. You know, we've had Ryan on several times on this podcast. He's a good friend of mine that I've known for shit almost twenty years now. That that owns his own small business, and we talk frequently. 
you know, I know this, some of the struggles that he goes through getting his business up and going and, and to his credit, he's found success and he's expanding, you know, but that doesn't come without a heavy cost. You know, you don't just punch a clock and work a 40. I, I don't punch a clock. I'm salaried, but I, I work a 40, um, or I mean like realistically probably closer to like a 48 hour work week, you know, um, Trevor, same, same deal. Um, we have that, that cushion to fall back on and that we work for some institutions or companies or, or entities, whatever you want to call it, that we don't have to worry about some of those things. But as a small business owner, um, <clears throat> it can be very scary at times. And I remember going through the great recession here in the United States when my, my mom owned her business and there were, there were questions that were raised. Hey, can we get another business loan? Do we need to get another business loan? Do we get a line of credit to help with some things? Because, you know, it's kind of like you think about everything that goes into your home, right? It's never a good day when you have to look at your home and go, shit, I have to get a new hot water heater. Because you don't have to just get a new hot water heater. You have to get a new hot water heater and then you have to get somebody, unless you have this knowledge on your own, to install, to uninstall the old one and install the new hot water heater. Um, I went through this personally myself about 90 days after I bought my home. Um, fortunately my father by trade is a pipe fitter. So plumbing type projects, it was very easy for me to go buy a new hot water tank on my credit card, send the receipt off to my home warranty company. Um, they reimbursed me for the cost of the tank. And then, you know, for about 40 bucks in parts or whatever, um, my dad was able to come over on his, you know, after work in his free time and, and help me get this taken care of. Um, but those are the kinds of things that go wrong with your home and they're a pain in the ass. And they sometimes are scary depending on the financial ramifications of, of whatever it is. That's only exacerbated when it's your business, right? Because if it's something that's debilitating that you can't run the business without like, Hey, the roof caved in. Now you don't, now it's not only the cost of the roof that you have to worry about. Now you're not bringing money in anymore because your business that is your way of making money can no longer function. So you only have money going out and nothing coming in. And without that coming in, then you can't pay for your healthcare benefits. You can't pay for food on the table. So it's, it's a very difficult situation to be in. So when you take things like that, there's some, a lot of companies that, that survived the great recession, which I mean, as tough as things were economically here in the United States during that time, I know for a fact that Canadian companies had to also feel that stress because financial markets work on a global scale, not on a, uh, country to country scale. All right. That's why finances are the way they are. They're very complicated because you got to address a lot of international law and things like that. Um, so when you're talking to people who, who survived the recession, right? And this is now you're starting to, now you're starting to fuck with people's livelihoods. All right. And you can do a lot to people. Okay. You, you, you can, in today's society, I think that we've gotten, and I say we, and I mean, we as a, as a, a world, not just, uh, Americans or anything, but I think we've gotten to a point where people are, uh, they're okay taking the abuse. You know, they'll, they'll suffer through a lot. They'll take a lot. They'll stand for quite a bit of punishment and abuse all in the sake of being, uh, more understanding or more woke than we used to be. Um, you know, just because you don't want to be that guy that's uh, labeled as someone who overreacts or God forbid, they call you a racist or a white supremacist, whether it's true or not. Um, so 
we have a, I would say, a overall lower esteem of ourselves, and and we let a lot more shit slide than we used to, um, unfortunately. However, when you start messing with people's livelihoods, when you start putting people into a position where they have to look at their kids going without, and that's not saying they go out without food, that's not saying they go out without clothing, but perhaps now they're going without that trip to Disney World, or now they're going without that vacation that you've been talking about for the last two years. Or, I mean, it could be anything, right? I'm not a parent myself, but by by all accounts, everything I hear from parents is that you want to do as much as you can for your kids. Um, and I think anybody with a heart, right, you hate to see your family suffer, whether it's your kids suffering or, hey, it could be your brother suffering. Um, it doesn't matter. It's your family, you know, and or it could just even be a friend, right? Um, but you start messing with people's livelihoods and you start messing with people's money, then it's a whole different ball of wax. Because uh, I know as a middle-class individual myself, like I work hard for everything I have, you know, um, and I get some questions from folks, friends, family, uh, some of you online, even, you know, how do you afford all this stuff? I'm not at that point yet. How do you do that? I can't do that. I'd have to work way, you know, this many weeks or this many hours to pay for something like that, you know, and that's the middle class is the largest class by far and away. You know, regardless of what people want you to think about the the lower class, the middle class is far and away the the largest majority. And to to work as hard as we do, right? And I say we because I again I'm I'm part of that class and I work I work hard for everything I have, right? And so do a lot of you, even people with very successful businesses out there. They the work never stops. If you got to a point where you don't have to work anymore and your business can just run itself, you've really made it. Um, and knowing of several people that run businesses themselves and work for themselves, that's not many can say that. But you work hard. And then to have everything taken away from you because the government and some assholes in their ivory towers, you know, decide, well, it's just not safe for you to be open. And you go, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can't be open. No, no, you can't be open. It's uh, it's too dangerous. You can't have people in your shop. Can't have people in your store. Can't have people traveling to see you in your food truck, whatever the case may be, uh, because of COVID. They might get sick. And you go, oh yeah, that's that's terrible. But um, you know, Walmart, Walmart is still open, and there's you know hundreds of people in there shopping, and they're not observing social distancing, and and they're generally fucking around having a good time, and. Um, a lot of them are on, you know, uh, government assistance and they're, they're basically just partying it up and, and, you know, I'm, but I'm, I'm getting ready to lose everything. And your government official says, yep, that's how it works because public safety has to come first. And you go, well, no, 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 but, but they're at Walmart right now. That's, that's not safe for them. Why aren't you closing Walmart? Well, you know, we can't, you know, people need to have access to, uh, to, to food and clothing. But but my store sells food. My restaurant sells food. My my food truck sells food. Well, yeah, but it's different. Well, how is it different? And 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 this this kind of this cycle of bullshit back and forth. Um, it's not only bullshit back and forth. It's like legitimate inquiries one way one way and and bullshit coming back at you. There's just the 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 overall reason is you know why can't it, it always met with because rules for thee but not for we. Um, that kind of, that kind of approach and enough is enough. We're now into 
like I said, it's almost been two fucking years. Um, in a month and five days, it'll be two years from the last time I ever worked normally um, in my company's building. It'll be two years since lockdown set in. It'll be two years since uh, COVID took hold of, of the world. And uh, I think largely, I, I would say we're closer to beating it than not um, with the understanding that this is never going to go away. Okay. Um, it's just not. It's out there. Um, it's It mutates. You know, we got the Omicron variant now, which is actually uh, weaker in a lot of ways than the original variant that we were dealing with. And I mean, and there's so much shit out there and that's, and that's the problem too, is that you have government agencies coming out and disagreeing with each other now, whereas before they were basically coming out and and agreeing with what the other one was saying, because we just didn't know. We didn't have enough time to study it. We didn't have enough time to gather facts about this. So everything was being done out of an overall abundance of caution. Well, you know, like I said, it's been two years. We've had time to develop a vaccine. We've had time to vaccinate a large majority of the population that, that wanted it. And if you don't want it, then that's your God-given right to choose. Now, um, I, I want to be very clear in saying I'm not anti-vaccination. Um, I'm actually pro-vaccination. I got vaccinated as a child. Um, I do have the vaccine for COVID. I have not gotten boosted. Those were my parents' decisions, and then as an adult now, my decisions, because to to some extent, I do hashtag trust the science. Um, however, I can seriously understand why people have reservations about a, vac- a vaccine where the manufacturers who rush to market with this can't be held liable in, in court for damages for any kind of side effects that may and probably will stem from this vaccination. And in some instances, like the Johnson and Johnson one dose vaccination had some serious side effects where people died. You know, I mean, it's kind of scary shit when you're talking about human life like that. And yet we still have those people that are sitting out there going, you know, oh, well, you can't, you know, you can never account for every contingency and, you know, look at the, look at the facts, trust the facts, trust the science. You, you know, you just don't fucking understand. And, and inevitably it always degenerates back down to Donald Trump for whatever fucking reason. Um, and if you remember back to the beginnings of the COVID crisis, uh, he was actually the first one to want to close down, uh, the Western borders at the Western United States and stop taking immigrants in. And you had idiots like Nancy Pelosi sitting there screaming at him, calling him a bigot and uh, a racist for not wanting to allow Asian immigrants into the country. And, um, you know, two months later, oh, here we are. We have to lock them down anyways. People like to conveniently forget the the stupid promotions and, and images and, and commercials of Nancy Pelosi walking through Chinatown in San Francisco saying, there's nothing to be afraid of here. Everything is perfectly safe. Don't worry about it. And then, you know, less than 30 days later, we're in a complete and total lockdown and crisis in the country because people like her thought with their, you know, their wallet and their political agenda rather than, you know, hashtag trust the science. But I digress. Getting back to the original point here, Canadians are now, I think, finally getting, they're getting wise to what's going on. They're sick of, you know, uh, these mandates, things like, hey, um, if you came in contact with someone, you got to go sit at home and, you know, we're not, if it's anything like we have here in the U.S., um, you're not getting paid for that. A lot of those programs where companies would pay you while you sit at home for two weeks to quarantine, a lot of that money's gone. A lot of those options are gone, you know, uh, 
Trevor told me he he had encountered people at work where uh, beginning of the year they went they oh they had COVID contact they had to go sit at home for a week questionably right because none of these places actually require you to show proof of a positive COVID test if it's by your spouse or something um, and that you came in contact with it but then these same people are now turning around oh well they they don't want to use their their time off or their PTO or whatever to cover the time off. But they still want to be paid for it. It's like, well, no, it's it's not how it works. So um, the rules are in place now. Oh, if you're vaccinated, then you only have to be in quarantine for five days. But it's it's not truly vaccinated. It's vaccinated plus a booster equals vaccinated. If you're only had the two shots, then it's like 10 days or something. Um, and then if you're unvaccinated, it's a total of 14 days or something with a negative test result or some shit. We put in so many condescending, you know, requirements and stuff for this to, to work. People are getting tired of it and you're keeping people out of work. You're, 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 you're ruining and and your people's lives and you're messing with their livelihood and their ability to provide for their families and to maintain the lifestyles to which they've become accustomed or how they live, you know, People have things like mortgages and they have things like car payments and they have things like medical bills, uh, prescription drug costs, you know, um, maybe not in Canada. They, they have a, a, <clears throat> a little bit cheaper health. So I won't say better health system. Um, they have a cheaper health system from an affordability standpoint, um, not to get into it, but I know that a lot of people think that they have it all figured out for the healthcare side. And, um, I have an aunt whose parents specifically became dual citizens to have access to the healthcare here in the U S because yes, it's free healthcare in Canada. However, the wait times are so astronomically long that a lot of people die from basic, uh, conditions and ailments waiting to be seen by a doctor or waiting for procedures that otherwise, um, in a privatized industry would have been readily available and readily accessible. Not saying I think that the, that means our system is is wonderful and great. Definitely, definitely don't think that. But without getting down that rabbit hole, that's that's just something else to um, to consider and to think about, right? So now we have this convoy and we have this blockade. We have this stoppage at the border, protesting that they want these mandates removed. So the question then becomes: Will will the Canadian government cave? Will Trudeau cave? Um, we've already seen other countries start to repeal these mandates. Uh, Boris Johnson in the United Kingdom came out publicly after a lot of pressure uh, and removed all of their mandates and, and, and rules around, around COVID. Um, now, again, uh, <clears throat> these leadership folks, these, these uh, upper crusts of society types, um, they never really followed a lot of these rules to begin with. And I do remember Boris Johnson coming under a lot of heat for being seen and spotted and photographed at um, these social gatherings and these parties without a mask on, not observing social distancing rules during lockdown periods. And once those pictures got public, then the heat really got cranked up because then all of a sudden you got the middle class, you got the regular guy, the average Joe, you know, saying, wait a minute, you fucking told me I couldn't leave my home. You told me you would ticket me. You told me you would arrest me for leaving my home because it's unsafe and we have to be concerned with the greater good. Hell, in Australia right now, there are police officers. There's basically like government monitoring of all free citizens um, and checking in on folks. Well, where are you at? Oh, you're not at work? Well, then why are you out of your home? 
we're going to arrest you for being out of your home. You have no right to be out of your home. You need to be in the house uh, for safety. You know, these could, I mean, and really, truly draconian measures being taken and violating the, the basic human rights and liberties of people in Australia, all for the sake of, oh, we got to, we got to keep everyone safe from COVID and it's not gone anywhere. You still have people getting sick. Um, and that's why you're, again, you're starting to see some of these countries, they're taking measures to repeal most of or <clears throat> all of their, their mandates, um, all of their executive orders. People are sick of living this way. You know, I mean, and if you're one of those folks that are just, you're ultra worried about this, take the measures yourself. There's nothing, there is nothing saying that you can't avoid social contact. You know, we have delivery services now for basically everything under the fucking sun. So whether you want to order dinner or your groceries for the week, you can have them delivered. You can have them left on the porch. So you don't have to actually interact with the person that is dropping them off. I know this is true because uh, during lockdown, I ordered a lot of Grubhub and my wife still uses the <clears throat> the grocery delivery services just out of basic convenience at this point. Um, so you don't have to go wait in lines. We can stay at home and do laundry and, and take care of household projects and, and things like that and not have to you know carve out an hour and a half or two hours in our day to go grocery shopping and wait in the lines and you know yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> so as a private citizen, as a, you know, you can you have the ability, the freedom to stay within your home, to shelter in place and avoid all human contact and only interact with the outside world through, you know, Zoom calls or, or Teams calls or Skype or uh, whatever your particular flavor or preference of digital communication is. You can do that. There's nothing prohibiting you from doing that. Um, you know, I, I know that my employer has been very flexible with people concerned about being in the office. Uh, you know, so much to the point that we're, we've still not opted to fully go back into in-person working and probably won't until this summer, uh, which I remember is very different from the original 14 days to flatten the curve. So just something to keep in mind when looking at this, this whole issue that, um, you know, you're forcing people into danger. No, you're not. You're just not. Um, I think it's a pretty disingenuous and, uh, unfair way to, uh, to, to phrase it, basically. Um, there's a lot of us, myself included, that thought that a lot of these measures are, were useless and stupid. Um, I still have to put a mask on. I leave masks in my car because I, you know, um, in the last couple of weeks here, I had to have some dental work done. My dentist, you know, where they work on your open mouth, they still require me to wear a mask. So I sit in the lobby for about five minutes. I wait to go back there. And as soon as I get in the chair, I take off that mask. What is that preventing? I, I honestly don't know. But because the mandate exists for healthcare services specifically, which dentistry does fall under, you have to do it just for the sake of appearances at this point. Because it's really all, I mean, and again, these masks, these basic surgical masks, which your dentist and yourself are wearing, neither one of them actually work to stop the spread of, of the virus, which that part has actually been scientifically proven that they're ineffective. Hashtag trust the science, right? Yet we continue to do it. These mandates continue to be in place. So I'm happy to see this out of the Canadians. Honestly, I think that largely there's this, this illustrated relationship between the U.S. as kind of like these uh, bumbling Americans that love our, love our fast food and being overweight, and we love our guns, and you have the Canadians, which are always kind of viewed as our more sensible and uh, you know more well-rounded uh, sibling to the north or whatever. Um, and it's really just not true. 
you know, I think it's an unfair way to depict the two countries. And I think that the, that this will hopefully be a sign of things to come from Canadian citizens and demanding uh, more from their elected leadership uh, across the country. You know, I think if, if COVID has shown us anything worldwide, it's that we need to set a higher standard and a higher level of expectation of um, proficiency and professionalism and competency out of our leadership. And that's in the United States as well as damn near every other country across the world. Um, there's been a lot of measures taken, both good and bad and, you know, and, and otherwise really, right, um, that were done as part of these COVID protocols because we just didn't know. And uh, all for the better, uh, you know, public good and for safety. <clears throat> and um, some, some of it was right, some of it was wrong. That's not to say that conservatives have had it all right. Um, or that liberals had it all right here. If you want to, you know, look at it here in the United States, the Democrats and the Republicans, right? Uh, we were, I mean, I would say both political parties were right on some things and wrong on others. There was just a lot we didn't know at first. Now there's a lot that we do know, and I think that uh, to some extent we're too busy kind of pointing fingers, saying, "See, I told you so," to really acknowledge. Well, here is what we do know, and here is what we have disproved. Now here, and how are we? as a country, as Democrats, as Republicans, as liberals, as conservatives, or we as a culture, we as a world, whatever, how are we going to move forward in a sensible manner that really does highlight what we know and disparages what we know is, is false? Um, it, it, it's kind of a shitty situation, you know, and unfortunately here in the U.S. we're coming up on midterm elections. I don't actually know when the Canadian elections are, are around the corner, but this this has been really, really impactful. Um, and to kind of see that uh, that acknowledgement and that justification from Canada now with this convoy, um, it's going to draw attention to, to this discussion. It really will. Um, Again, commerce and trade routes, that, that's the lifeblood of any country. If you can't get goods and I mean, yes, each country grows certain crops, um, food, goods, and certain, you know, things like that, right? Um, we get certain things from Canada. They get certain things from us back and forth. Some are cheaper on some things. Some are more expensive on others. And that's, that's obviously, that's trade, that's commerce. It starts to be globally impactful when you start shutting down international trade routes, this is how you get attention. And again, um, to the best of my knowledge, there's been no fire bombings. There's been no random assaults. Nobody's been shot. There's nobody who, I mean, and, and I could be wrong, there, but I'm pretty sure this has been a fairly peaceful experience throughout the course of this protest. Not at all like what we experienced here in the U.S. where people were burning down small businesses, shooting each other, trying to beat Kyle Rittenhouse to death with a skateboard all in the name of, uh, you know, defunding the police and equality for all and safety for all, ironically, you know. So this is in this, I mean, pretty, this pretty much highlights, I think, uh, very well, the effectiveness of protesting and what I believe a proper protest should look like. This is how you accomplish your goals. You know, um, it's no small effort to have, you know, you're in the six, six digit range for the number of people protesting this. Uh, you're in the, the five-digit range for the number of vehicles involved in this coast-to-coast, countrywide, uh, you know, excursion, this movement to to drive home your point of we've had enough. We, the people, demand better from you. We, de- we demand that you lift these, um, 
yeah, I can't, again, I struggle with it because I'm so used to saying unconstitutional, but I don't know that necessarily applies in Canada. Um, but these violations of our civil rights, you know, um, so I, it's definitely something I'll be interested to see how this plays out and how long this continues to go on because, um, it's today, today is uh, Tuesday, February 8th, right? It's Tuesday. This started yesterday, Monday, the 7th. All right. So we're two days into this things are really starting to come to a head. When you start seeing hours upon hours of delays um, for basic shipping routes, um, let alone you know, the m- most heavily traveled shipping route internationally um, in two of the most advanced countries in the world, um, that's, it, it's not gonna take long for this to reach ahead and then something's gonna happen. Either one side's gonna balk or the other one is and then we'll start moving towards a resolution. Um, but what I really want to see is is how we get to that resolution, right? Statements that are made by the Canadian government, by Trudeau, how this is acknowledged, um, you know, because I mean, the longer that I think that they sit there and point out that, hey, this is why they're wrong. Hey, this is uh, this is why this convoy is a, is a dumb idea. I think that just plays it out and it just it, it exacerbates the situation and it makes the impact that much worse because um, I, I don't see that many people backing down from the government unless there's a threat of physical force i really don't um people have had enough you know and, and you see the political elite you see all these people coming out and 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 making all these disparaging remarks about this convoy and they can go ahead and do that you know um but it doesn't change the fact that they're in the minority by a great margin compared to folks that are in support of this um you know it, it's i know a lot of people here in america are are screaming hell yeah for uh for this protest and this effort and this display of uh we've had a fucking enough you know so like i said i'll be interested to see how it plays out i think you guys shall uh check this out in your your news uh cycles and and you know I don't know where you want to look it up, but uh, I would obviously avoid CNN and and to that point, probably Fox News as they both kind of lean pretty heavily to their respective sides. But uh, maybe check out BBC or some other news outlets and and check out the coverage of this and see what's happening with this, what the latest developments are. Um, I personally have not had too much opportunity today to really dig into this Um, a little bit this morning and then some yesterday. Um, and I've been aware of this convoy for the last, you know, at least the last week or two here as it really got rolling and got started. Um, and it's kind of, as it's, as it's built, built momentum, right. And now we're kind of at a point where I think it's reached its, uh, climax or the apex, uh, of, of what their, their real goal is here to disrupt transportation and commerce. So we'll see. It should be really interesting to play out, and I, and I think here's my my bold ass prediction on this: if this if it falls, when I say it, I mean the the mandate, the Canadian government, their stance on this. If it falls, I think you'll start to see a lot of political pressure around the globe to follow suit. See, Canada got it, the UK's got it. Right now, the UK is a small country, right? They got a small population, and they were, I think, one of the like the first real notable country to remove any of the mandates. I think if after the UK has taken theirs down in the last couple of weeks, and then if we see Canada follow suit, whether because they wanted to or because they were basically forced into this decision by the pressure of their people, which, I mean, it makes no difference, right? But I think you got UK, then Canada, I think, you know, and the United States is now in there because our court spoke up and said, you can't mandate this at the country level anymore. Um, I think you'll start to see a lot of political pressure 
You know, people will start looking at it and go, hey, the Canadians got it figured out. Why are we still fighting about this? Hey, the English have it figured out. What do they know that we don't? And why is it apparently still so dangerous here, but not there? And I think the light bulb starts to go on for a lot of folks when they realize that this has been used as a political tool for far, far too long to try and stock war chests for upcoming campaigns and to build support, uh, you know, for all the wrong reasons, again, for re-election. Um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But this this protest, this will actually have lasting ramifications um, for all the good and bad that came of the the BLM protests and things this summer, there's been lasting ramifications and changes from a societal standpoint, a cultural standpoint. I think politically, what's happening now might be might be even more impactful because of what it what it does for upcoming elections. Um, less of a human rights issue, I think. Well, maybe not. I don't know, um, but I, it'll definitely be. It'll definitely be very, very impactful on the world stage. I think that uh, this decision carries a lot of weight with it, and I would be watching closely if I were you. But that's that's what I got for you guys this week. Um, it's interesting, you know. It's certainly interesting to see the rest of the world kind of following. I mean, maybe it's a, pres- a bit presumptuous for me to presumptuous, yeah, presumptuous for me to think that the the Canadian people are following the suit of the American people. Um, but if you look at history, I think we, we protest on a lot of dumb issues more often than almost anybody else I can, I can see and, and tell. Um, so for a protest of this magnitude, I would like to think, yeah, there's a bit of America kind of stitched into the fabric of that effort, you know? So it's cool to see. It's cool to see that we're kind of the people of the world are more emboldened seeing what we do and that it it can be successful and you don't have to just lay down and take it and that you should hold your your government the people that you put into power as a citizen of that country um you have to hold them accountable for their actions and demand more of them so uh keep an eye on it you know but uh that's all i got you know uh a little bit of politics here a little bit of my personal opinion here uh, so I hope you guys, uh, at, at the very least, I hope it spurs you to go check on this story and maybe gather some more information for yourself and you make up your own mind about where you fall with the mandates and the masks and the vaccine and everything. I uh, hope to have uh, a lot more for you guys next week, uh, certainly working on getting some more guests on, uh, doing some interviews with some cool folks. And uh, until then, you guys get out there, you work hard, you train smarter, and like we always say here, be prepared. Be prepared.